Good morning, everyone. All right, that's enough of that nonsense. James Dunn is here. Eric C is here. Deborah Stilly is here. Chelsea Chase is here. Jen McNally is here. It's true. It's true. Anniverse Podcast is here. Uh, Sage Bear is here. Jim Grassi is here. Small Axe is here. Nick Rabbit TV. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, as you know. That's why you're here. Uh, Marty Leeds. Welcome, everybody. Uh, gonna do a little, um, sort of a left turn today. We're gonna talk about um, the lost Masonic word. That's what we're gonna talk about today. So I expect maybe about nine people to watch this in its entirety, but I'm doing it because it's a very important topic. This is something that's very close to my heart. And it's it will, um, when we're done with this, you'll understand why we're doing this. Uh, we're gonna talk a lot about masonry today. We're gonna talk about the word. And I'll explain um, what the lost Masonic word is and why we're talking about today and blah, all that sort of stuff. So. Welcome all. As you guys know, we do service. Where is my graphic? We do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Central Standard Time. So, uh, and this podcast is free. The video is free. Um, you can go to the site if you want uh, all the older stuff like that. But this podcast is available on iTunes or Apple Music and Spotify and all that sort of stuff. So, all right. Thank you all for joining me. We're going, uh, just a few things. First, I'm going to do a prayer. Let's do this. Let's start this thing off right. And then I just have a few uh a few announcements, just things I want to talk about quick, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this lecture. So let's let's do it. Oh, be joyful in the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with a song. Be ye sure that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Oh, go your way into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and speak good of his name. For the Lord is gracious, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth from generation to generation. Amen. Okay. Um, all right. So I just want to say a few things. First and foremost, thank you to uh, the wonderful Elizabeth and B. Strutt over there. The Struts, we'll call them. Uh, they sent a, a beautiful little package and gave me a bunch of little, uh, us, I should say us, Jennifer and I, a bunch of crystals and they're so beautiful uh we don't have our uh, we don't have our uh, altar set up yet but i'm, I'm definitely going to put those on there when we do and then i also want to say thank you to greg arcade if you guys don't uh know greg and his music go to gregarcade.com he just released a record rolling thunder and this is badass it's a great record seriously bunch of really great songs favorites outlaw hearts come and get it um shoot out the lights great tune um you idaho george uh, george jones i can see and then bury with bury me with my boots on fantastic so he just sent me this so go show him some love i've been listening to this uh quite a lot um you can get the i think he still has some cds left if you're into cds but you can buy the mp3s i think like 10 bucks or something definitely worth it i just want to also say thanks to greg because he sent me the lyrics he wrote a song for james top called the ballad of james top who's the dude that's hero not just a dude a living, genuine Canadian hero was walking, or already walked across Canada, and, you know, to fight the, you know, to basically get people hip to all the tyranny, essentially, is what it is. Anyway, so he wrote this great song called The Ballad of James Top, and it's a genuinely great song, and he sent me the lyrics that he, <laughs> you know, the lyrics that he wrote when he was writing the song. So anyway, uh, as a songwriter, I just want to say it was just an unbelievably awesome gesture. And so thank you very much. It's seriously honorable. It's such an honor. So I will be holding those lyrics for the rest of my life. So anyway, uh, one more thing, and then we'll get into this. Um, 
Hi, in the English Alphabet, Volumes 1 through 3, the collection is, I just got the final proof copy back. We have to put the index in. Going to make a few changes, but other than that, this is ready to go. Um, and just uh, unbelievably proud of it. I tried to distill, I'm going to do a whole live stream on this. Um, we're going to talk about a chapter today that it's in here, the Lost Masonic Word chapter. Um, but really proud of this. I really just tried to essentially distill 10 years down, you know, the three books um, down into one under 200 pages. So it's not intimidating. You could put this on your, you know, you could set this on your coffee table and somebody comes along and be like, hey, what, what, wait, what, what's this? Um, try to make it as easy to read as possible, but jam packed full of info. And it just came together so well. I was really. Um, questioning when I started, you know, putting it all together, if I was, was worth doing and all this other stuff, but it ended up working out great. So the pre-orders are ready. This should ship out mid next month, something like that. We just have to put the index in and we're done. And by we, I mean my wife. My wife is, I'm going to put her to task because anyway, so that's ready. This is, uh, you can purchase this right now. Um, we'll, like I said, ship out next month. And then I'm going to put a package together with all, uh, all the books. Um, Pi, one, one through three volumes, The Peacock's Tales, as well as Lord Jesus Christ. So I'll put the, all those three in a package. And so if you want to buy those, um, the paperback, that's great. And then we also, like I said, we also have um, rosaries and Bibles. Um, those are back on the store because they were, you know, um, they were uh, backordered for a while. So we did that. And then also we have unanimous redeck and, and that sort of thing. So, okay, I think that's it. I think that's it. Um... All right, let's get into this. 59 watching right now. Jesus equals 27, Christ equals 32, and that equals 59. And that's what we're going to talk about today, the Word. That's what we're going to talk about today. And what we're going to do is explain why I am a, a fan of Masonry, why I support Masonry. Why, I'm not a Mason, by the way, but I'm in support of the Order. Um, and that goes against what most, uh, most truth seekers talk about. And I don't give two hoots. Uh, what we're going to do today is talk about why this symbol is important. The G with the compasses and square. And we're going to get into the heart of masonry. Okay? So, that's what we're going to talk about today. What is that? And so we're going to talk about what's known as the story of Hiram Abiff, which is the central lore in masonry. Hiram Abiff and the lost Masonic word. And what happened to Hiram Abiff. So, um, I'll just say this and then we'll get into this. I'm just going to leave you with this to start. And then we'll return to it um, towards, the, towards the end of this lecture, okay? So in Masonry, there's a main myth in Masonry. It's this main ritual that they do in the third degree. And it's really the central uh, key to the legends of Masonry. And it's this legend called Legend of Hiram Abiff, okay? The legend tells us, and Hiram Abiff was the master architect, uh, master architect and builder of Solomon's Temple. Okay. Now this story is not in the Bible, actually. This, but it's referring to characters within the Bible. But it's this own separate sort of myth that's held on by the Masons, and we'll explain it today. Okay. So the legend tells us that one day, whilst worshiping the Grand Architect of the Universe within the Holy of Holies, Hiram, Hiram Abiff, Master Mason, architect at Solomon's Temple, was attacked by three ruffians. They were called Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, and known collectively as the Jews. And they demanded the master's word, that is, the secret name of God. Having finally located the grave of Hiram, Solomon and his fellow Masons exhumed the body of Hiram. A search was made for the master's word. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The master's word, the lost Masonic word. What is this word? As we know, Christ is known as the word. A search was made for the master's word, the name of God, did I go out? No. No? 
What happened here? Oh, anyway. Um, I'm still live. Yes? Okay. Um, they were, so they, a search was made for the master's word, the name of God, but all that was found was the letter G. So this is, um, and then finding the word lost, the lost Masonic word. Um, a lament went up, said, Oh Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son? And so this is what they're saying that, hey, this master mason, the architect of Solomon's temple, he was killed by these three ruffian dudes and they wanted the master's word, the secret name of God, and he wouldn't give it up. He said, nope. And he went to his grave holding onto that word. And then the masons found the only thing that they had left of this secret name of God, the master's word was the G. And this has become central to the emblem and insignia of the masons. And of course, everybody that sees that symbol knows what that symbol, you know, it's related to the masons and yet they don't know what it means, any of it, you know, um, which is really interesting because I've been I've been in the truth community for about I don't know 10 11 years or whatever it's been and I've heard countless people do video after video you know your RV truthers and stuff like that give give shade to masonry and talk bad about it and and cat you know chastise it and de demonize it and stuff like that and not once not once in over a decade have I ever heard any of these truth seekers talk about the central myth of masonry they don't even know it and that's a problem we're going to solve that problem today. So this is the uh, Hiram Abiff here. Here's the character of Hiram Abiff. Once again, King of Tyre, uh, master builder of Solomon's Temple. And of course, we know him. Uh, we, we know who this character is. And this character ultimately represents you. That's what Hiram Abiff represents. And that search for the high ram. This is, we've done 14 chapters of Mark thus far, right? 14 chapters of Mark. And how many times have we mentioned this right here? If you're watching at home, we're looking at the Anthropocosm, the Zodiac Man, the Man of the Cosmos. And what is he doing? He's lifting himself up to that high ram, the high place, the, the Temple Mount, right? Where the All-Father sits. Boom, right up here. That's the ram. And this is what Hiram Abiff is actually referencing in the name. He is the high ram. Abiff, uh, somebody asked this um, last live stream, I believe it was, what is Abif? Ab is a Latin is Latin for father, and it's a reference to God. So you have this high ram of the father, God, and that's what this character represents. Okay. Now, before we get into all of this, we, we're going to have to cover some groundwork. Okay. The first thing I want to talk about is why the secrecy in masonry. There's a lot of things that we can talk about. Why there's you know. Like what's going on with masonry? Why do they do this and why this and why that? Blah 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 blah. Why there are no women? There actually are. But you know, there, there's all these things that are misconstrued about masonry across the board. In in I mean, to, today that hasn't changed at all. I've been doing this for ten years, just beating this freaking drum, just boom boom, and not one person has ever been like, hey, maybe we should do a show and talk about this. So. This is the problem. So we're going to straighten this out. First off, there's lots of things we talk about with masonry, but why the secrecy? People think that this is bad. It's not. It's not at all. And if you've been following along with the chapters of Mark, you see that Christ actually is keeping secrets repeatedly. We'll talk about it. Freemason, this comes from, it's a chapter, part, parts of the chapter, I kind of mishmashed this together, conglomeration of stuff, but part of the chapter of, uh, from, part of the chapters from this book. Freemasonry is exactly what Freemasonry claims it to be. It's a science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated in symbols. Your search for God Almighty is based in morality, and there is a science behind that morality. 
that's what the human experience is. When you come down here, you're this sort of lost soul. You're trapped into this material realm. And God is giving you the, the labyrinth, the, the obstacle course. And that obstacle course is ultimately this constant um, good and evil, the choice between, free will choice between good and evil. And he's sitting there like the porter, right, in the vineyard, just sitting there watching watching what you're going to do. And ultimately, the choices that you make in life will be will be uh, judged. And those choices are ultimately based on morals. There's a science behind that. That's what Freemasonry is saying. Freemasonry is a compendium and library of ancient symbols and timeless wisdom. Freemasonry is an esoteric college, a direct recapitulation of the ancient mystery school traditions and differs nothing and differs none, excuse me, from the Delphic, the Egyptian or the Pythagorean schools and its underlying practice. And that's what it is. We have a mystery school alive and well today, and most people are not engaging in the mysteries. The secrecy involved in masonry is done on purpose, as what is discussed in the lodge is not to be disclosed outside the walls of the bond of trust made by the men who have taken oath. Jesus, by the way, as we've read, echoed this sentiment numerous times when he specifically directed people after performing a magical or miraculous act that they should tell no man. Mark 7.36, Mark 8.30, Luke 8.56, Mark 9.9. We've talked about this. And he charged them that they should tell no man. He just performed, this is Jesus, just performed a miracle. Shh, don't tell anybody. How you know how many Christians over the years have said, oh, secrets are, are forbidden in the Bible. <clears throat> what? Can you not read? Clearly not. And he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into town nor tell it to any of, any of the, the people in the town. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And as he came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man the things that they had seen. Jesus specifically telling people, shut your mouth, keep a secret. Secrecy is not always done, as too many assume, out of pure wickedness or deceit, but instead it is utilized to entice the seeker, to promote and pique curiosity in the initiate, to preserve and safe keep the wisdom and keep it out of the hands, out of the hands of those who do not deserve it. Because either they would use it to they would distort or pervert it, or they would use it for their own personal gain. And that's what really the secrecy is all about. And it works because it piqued my interest. I was like, what are these guys doing? Are they the devil worshipers? That's your first question. Like, is that really what's going on in there? Now, if you're honest with it and you go into it, you'll find out that that's the furthest from the furthest thing from it. it has nothing to do with that at all. So the secrecy is specifically for to be like, what's going on? And it works if you're honest with it. Throughout history, we find secret academies and orders dedicated to exploring the mysteries of the human condition and the nature of the divine within man. Passing on ancient wisdom cryptically through various methods such as symbols, handshakes, things like that. This is not just like some Masonic thing. The Dogon of West Africa do this. The Lakota of North America do this. The Mayan of Central America do this. We find that these, we find a you know, culture after culture, we find wisdom keepers or a select group of elders or like wise men preserving this ancient knowledge in private and in secret. Jesus Christ himself had a secret order. You know, deny it all you want. His disciples were his secret society. He told things that, to the disciples that he was not going to tell anybody else. Matthew 13, 11. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. That's Christ. That, those are the red letter. Boom. That's what he's saying. 
He's also Christ. This is one of the things they actually repeat in masonry. It says, you know, Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine. Jesus Christ is calling people swine and dogs. Remember that. Lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Christ is specifically saying, if you have this wisdom, don't willy-nilly just go give it out. <laughs> because why? There are people that are undeserving of it. There are dogs and swine out there. This is exactly what Masonry is saying. To the T. There's a proneness in the human heart. This is from uh, Mackey, I believe. Albert Mackey. A proneness in the human heart, which has always existed. There's a proneness in the human heart, which has always existed to clothe the most sacred subjects with the veil of mystery. It was this spirit that caused Jesus to speak to the Jewish multitudes in parables, whose meaning his disciples, like initiates, were to comprehend, but which would be unintelligible to the people, so that they seeing, they see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. So that's why one of the fundamental reasons, foundational reasons why Masons keep secret. It is keep secrets because it's there to entice you to say, what's going on? Most people say, what's going on? They say that. And then the next answer is devil worship, etc. Not Not once picking up any of the Masonic books, not once trying to figure any of it out. And that's done specifically. So what does the G mean? So before we get into the G, we're going to talk about one of the things we, we discuss quite a bit um, on this channel, of course. <clears throat> and that is the, the cipher. Now, for those of you that are, I'm sure most of you know the cipher at this point, one of the, the first time that I had received this cipher, uh, took about two minutes to unfold. I used the seven days of creation as found in Genesis. I was like, oh, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. One, two, three, four, five, six, and then rest on seven. And as soon as I rested on the G, I was like, oh, wait a second. I know that symbol. I've been studying that symbol for a decade. I know that symbol. So we're going to get into pi, just maybe 10 minutes here, explain this, and then we'll get into the, the meat of this lecture, okay? So we're going to explain what the G is and all this other stuff. Before we get into this, I want to I want to quote um, a 33rd degree Mason, Frank C. Higgins, absolutely fantastic esotericist. Um, um, what's the one book he's got? I think it's called The Alchemical Mysteries of Masonry or something. I got to find it, but it's just a, it will knock socks off. If you had any hair, it'll blow it back. This is what Frank C. Higgins says about this omnific word of power, the lost Masonic word. The tradition of a word of omnific power in which is concentrated a store of force at once dynamic and intelligent, so terrific it's in its intensity that he who knows and understandingly utters it may wield an absolutely divine sway over the power of the elements is one of the oldest legends in the human race. So according to Masonic Scholar, one of the oldest legends of the human race is that there's an omnific word of power behind essentially all of these cultures. And that is exactly what we're going to find today. So when we talk about, we're going to discuss this, um, the cipher here a bit today. It's all based on the, the ratio of pi. Now we all know the pi, pi is the ratio of a circle circumference to its diameter. It's very simple geometry. You got a circle, you got a line, you find the relationship between the two. You end up with this infinite transcendental number, pi. Okay. 
Get to that in just a second. We all know the compass isn't square. We've discussed this enough on this channel. What is that symbol ultimately talking about? It's talking about the heavens and the earth, the celestial and the terrestrial, the circle of the heavens above and the square earth below our feet. It's talking about squaring the circle. We're not going to discuss that today, but it's something we've covered quite a bit. It's all over. That's exactly what Christ is. Christ squares the circle. It's all over his name. Did a whole chapter on it in the book, um, Squaring the Circle. Uh, I don't know, 20, 30 pages, something like that. I don't know how long the chapter is, but talking about all the ways in which Jesus Christ squares the circle, all the math that you can find encoded within his name. A uh, bunch, bunch of just, you know, and really basic stuff, really basic stuff that really children can understand. So that symbol is talking about squaring the circle, but inside of that symbol is the letter G. Well, that letter G actually helps us uh, create the cipher. I'll start with this one. So, as I said, what the, what the Masons were trying to help you understand is that there is a mathematical foundation behind your alphabet, our language, that God has imbued himself within the very words we speak and that that alphabet is based on transcendental, universal mathematical constants that not one, you bring me the highest level mathematician in the world, some, prof some elite professor of mathematics and you sit him right in front of me and not one thing that I present when it comes to this would he be able to refute because it's basic, basic, basic stuff. The, the cipher is based on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And it ends on that G. And this is exactly what the Masons were trying to reveal to us. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Stop there. Do you know what that is? Well, that's the triangulation of a number. So when you go 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 4 plus 5 plus 6 plus 7, that's how you triangulate a number. 1 dot, 2 dots, 3 dots, 4 dots, 5 dots, 6 dots, 7 dots. You just created a triangle. That triangle adds to 28. Well, that's exactly the phalanges of your hands. So, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. And 14 times 2 is 28. So, by adding 1 through 7, not only are you triangulating those numbers, but it's also pointing to the mathematics that you have on your hands. Now, mind you, this is all from the Masonic symbol here. This is all from the boom, this baby right there. The other thing that that does is, is presents to you the notes of the musical scale. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So just by stopping at that G, two of the things that the, multiple things that the Masons are giving you with, this, with, their, site, with their insignia is that, hey, is the triangulation of the number seven. It's the number of phalanges on your hands. It's also the musical scale. When we set up this cipher, for those of you that, once again, right there, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The other thing that this does, besides giving you the math of your hands and the triangulation of the number 7 and the musical system, musical notation, musical notes, I should say, um, it also gives you the, the um, squaring of a number, like literally how you would square a number. So, for instance, 7 squared is 49. If you add 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, it equals 49. So 7 squared is 49. If you did 3 squared, it would be 9. Do you know what 1 plus 2 plus 3 plus 2 plus 1 is? 9. So not only did the, the Masons, with this logo, give you the notes of the musical scale, the triangulation of the number 7, the phalanges of your hands, but it also gives you the, the, 
the way to square a number. All of this within a compasses, a square, and a G. So I want you to know when you're, if you're listening to this, the hundred people that are listening to this or the few hundred people that do listen to this. Now, when you go out into the truth community and they start ripping on masonry and be like, the G means Gabriel, it means blah, 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 and whatever. Just so you guys know, all of those people, and I've said this for years and I'm, I don't mean to be so harsh, but are full of crap. They're not basing anything that they know off any actual information. It's literally fantasy, conspiracy theory, conjecture, and ignorance. 100%. And I'm going to get, moving forward too, I'm going to get extra harsh on people about this. Because what these people are doing is shitting on an unbelievably sacred organization that's trying to pass on you to you universal truths about how sacred and divine you are. How close to God you actually are. We're not going to be RB truthing or anything. That's all I'm saying. So using this cipher, we can find the 26 letters of the English alphabet in Lord God. Lord equals 13. God equals 13. Lord God equals 26. There's a whole bunch of things we could discuss there. Okay. This cipher, beyond squaring numbers, beyond triangulating numbers, beyond finding the mathematics of your hands, and beyond the musical scale, it also gives us two mathematical constants. This is, we're deciphering the English cipher, you know that, what's that thing that uh, Made by Jim Bob said? Was that, what's that cartoonist guy that he said is the, um, uh, what, what did he say? Um, the, I forget what he called it. The <laughs> Anyway, um, secret decoder ring theology. Beyond all of that, it also gives you a representation of pi. So the number seven, which is where that G is, uh, is represented, as you can see, by the letters G and T. Using the septenary cipher on the word seven gives you 22. And 22 divided by seven is a widely used abbreviation and approximation of pi. 22 divided by seven is 3.1428571. Pi must be abbreviated, must be approximated because of its infinite nature. So... 22 and 7 are the first two whole numbers that you can use to find an approximation of pi. Hence why 22 and 7 are so important. So you find a mathematical constant encoded in the number 7. But not just one, you find two. The other 7, as you can see, lands on the T. The other 7 on the second half of our alphabet is anchored on the letter T. The T, also 7, 22 divided by 7 is pi. Well, except now this is the second pi in our alphabet. So the first pi gives you 3.142, and the second pi gives you 3.142. Well, if you combine those two pi's, do you know what you would have? Tau. Tau is the mathematical constant known as 6.28. So tau is calculated as 2 pi, or 2 times 3.14. And the second pi in our alphabet lands on the letter T. Do you know what the letter T represents? Tau. So let's just go over this once again. Squaring numbers, the triangulation of numbers, the phalanges of your hands, the musical scale, pi, the mathematical constant of pi, the mathematical constant of tau. 
Now this whole cipher, as you see, encodes pi. Now we can go around our world and we can see pi everywhere. Every time you flip on a light switch, you know what happens? Flip on and off a light switch, you know what happens? Pi. On, off, on, off, on, off. The whole internet is created using this binary system. Let information in, keep it out. Let it in, keep it out. Let it in, keep it out. Zero, one, zero, one, zero, one. It's literally on, off, on, off. We can find beyond English, we can find pi in the Greek name of Jesus. Kyrios Iesus Christos. 800-888, I'm going over this quick. 800-888-1480, reduce those down, read it backward. Read that backwards. 31428, Three, 22 divided by seven is 3.1428, Elohim encodes an anagram of pi in Hebrew. So English, Hebrew, Greek, just going to go over a few of these. Um, so there's all these places that we can find pi and we found it. You know, that when we talk about the internet is created through uh, on and off and on and off gives you pi. Do you know what a, the, you create programs on? A computer aided design program. It's called a CAD program. It's called a CAD program. It's 314. Of course, you use your IP address, don't you? Or your pi address. Anyway, so... The point is, is we find this mathematical constant of pi all over. Shaddai in the original Hebrew, which is the name for Lord, is 314. So we find pi encoded all over. The number 7, G, T, in the name of Christ. We can find it in dice. We, there are all these places that we can find pi and, and have on this channel. Okay? So now that we know that, one of the things that we can clearly see that the Masons were talking about, let's go back to this G here, one of the things that the Masons were talking about was the mathematical constant of pi because it's encoded in that G. So pi must be important. Frank C. Higgins also said this. He said, man is unable to comprehend eternity in any other sense other than that of a circle. The greatest God of all the old pantheons represented time. And he was father of all the other gods. He carried in his hand a straight line, a diameter, and a circle, a circumference. In other words, Frank C. Higgins is saying all of time is represented by a circle and a line. The first had a beginning and an end, and the second neither. The circle is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. The first and the last. The second, the line, has a definitive end, you know endpoints. So this represented time and eternity. And that's exactly what it does represent. So pi is this, once again, this mathematical word. Okay. So now we're going to get into the lost Masonic word. Okay. The mythical history of Freemasonry informs us that there once existed a word of surpassing value and claiming a profound veneration, that this word was known to but a few, that it was at length lost and that a temporary substitute for it was adopted. But at, as the very philosophy of Masonry teaches us, and you'll learn this if you, once again, if you take Masonry seriously, the Masonry teaches you that there can be no death without a resurrection. The core teaching of Masonry is death and rebirth. And we'll see that today. No decay without a subsequent restoration. On the same principle, it follows that the loss of the word must suppose its eventual recovery. The loss of the word must suppose its eventual recovery. The word must be found again. We're going to find it today. Now, this idea of a search after truth 
forms so prominent a part of the whole science of Freemasonry that I can conceive no better or more comprehensive answer to be given to the question of what is Freemasonry than to say that it is a science which is engaged in the search after divine truth. Amen. The word, therefore, I conceive to be the symbol of divine truth. This word that we seek, that masonry seeks, is a symbol of divine truth. Who is that symbol of divine truth? And all of its modifications, the loss, the substitution, and the recovery of this word are but components, are component parts of the mythical symbol which represents a search after truth. It's compiled from J.S. Ward in the Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. So, at the core of Masonry is the search for this word. Simple. The history of Freemasonry is known as the legend of the craft, and it is, and is declared a legend because it is not intended to be an accurate and authentic record of the history of the order. If you actually look at Masons, and they, you know, part of the uh, mysticism and the mythology and that sort of stuff is this idea of like, no one knows where masonry comes from. It's so antiquated, so old that we, the origin is who knows, right? You read in Mackey and they'll say, oh, the first mason was Nimrod. No, the first mason was Noah. No, the first mason was Adam. No, the first mason was, it was set up as a, you know, a, a, a theo theosophical school of angels in paradise. It's all myth. So, and that's part of it. So one of the many mysteries behind Freemasonry is its mythical and unknown origins. One of the central themes behind Freemasonry is the abiding search for the lost Masonic word. The myth of this word stems from the main ritualistic drama performed in the Lodge, and that's what we're going to look at right now. And it's the story of Hiram Abiff, Hiram, and the three ruffians. Figure out who the ruffians are today. We got some ruffians in this world today. Lots of them. Hiram is recognized as the principal architect and master builder of Solomon's temple, the temple in which the Lord is to reside. So Hiram Abiff was the master architect of Solomon's temple. And Solomon's temple is where the Lord was to reside. 1 Kings 740. <clears throat> Let me get back to that in just a second. This is Solomon's, this is the building, mythical building of Solomon's temple. It's 1 Kings 7, the whole chapter there. Now, why is this important that Hiram Abiff was known as the master architect and builder of Solomon's temple? Because Solomon's temple is not a physical building. It's not. And there's all clues all over the book in King, 1 Kings that will tell you that. I've never heard any Christian talk about it. Not one. Not one. Solomon's temple is an allegory towards you building your spiritual temple. Full stop, period. Solomon's temple is a temple in which was going to house the Lord. It says it here in uh, 1 Kings 7.51, So was ended all the work that King Solomon made for the house of the Lord. Did he put among the treasures of the house of the Lord? So Hiram Abiff, master architect, was building a temple for the house of the Lord. The only problem with that is the Lord dwells in a temple not made by the hands of man, as Acts 7.48 tells us. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. He's prophesizing something. He's saying the great temple in which the Lord is going to reside ain't built with hands. It's these temples. That's where the Lord resides. So what was the great temple that Solomon was building? His own temple. Because the Lord is going to reside within it. 
That's the whole allegory. Sol the building of Solomon's temple is once again foundational within masonry. Because it's talking about building your temple. It's taking a good man and making him better. What's so interesting is about is is in in Kings. Uh, this is known as the Pi verse, and it's in one Kings seven, and they get Pi wrong. They don't get Pi wrong at all. It's there to once again entice you. It, it, it's there. This this verse is there to be like, wait a second, wait a second. They didn't understand Pi. Of course they understood Pi, but they're giving you Pi incorrectly because they want you to be like, wait a second. Why is Pi incorrect? These are like the, 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 you know, these were divinely inspired people that were building houses for the Lord and they didn't understand Pi. No, of course they understood Pi. The Orthodox, the entire Orthodox group, when I brought this up, they were like, well, maybe they were measuring this brim from the inside to the outside and blah, 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 making every single excuse they could possibly muster in their stupid little brains. Pardon my language. Pardon my, anyway, you get it. Every excuse that they could possibly make to not uh, to basically refute that this was about building your temple. The Pi verse is 1 Kings 7.23, and he made a molten sea 10 cubits from one brim to the other. It was round all about. It was round. And, he, and his height was 5 cubits, and the line of 30, 30 cubits did compass it round about. So it was 10 and 30, and it was a compass, and round and round. That doesn't make any sense. That's mathematically incorrect. Not incorrect at all, though, when you're talking about you're building something metaphysical. This is Hiram. 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 He was building his metaphysical temple. <clears throat> so, Hiram Abiff is a key figure within Masonic lore, and the legend of Hiram Abiff loosely goes like this. Hiram Abiff, a widow's son from Tyre, Skillful in the working of all kinds of metals. He was a worker with... You mean like lead into gold? Was he, was he an alchemist? Hiram Abiff, a widow's son from Tyre, skillful in the working of all kinds of metals, was employed to help build King Solomon's temple. The legend tells us that one day, whilst worshipping the grand architect of the universe within the Holy of Holies... Where was he? <laughs> He's the Holy of Holies. Hiram... Hiram was attacked by three ruffians, and these three ruffians were called Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, and known collectively as the Jews, who demanded the master's word, that is, the secret name of God. The first ruffian named Jubela struck Hiram across the throat with a 24-inch gauge. The second ruffian named Jubela struck Hiram's breast over the heart with a square. And the third ruffian named Jubelum struck Hiram upon the forehead with a gavel, whereupon Hiram fell dead. He was struck in the heart, in the throat, and in the head. What are those three? What are those three places in the chakra system? The heart, throat chakra, and your in your pituitary pineal, the third eye, if you will. Okay. Um, his blood, therefore, was shed in the temple, having finally located the grave of Hiram. Solomon and his fellow Masons exhumed the body. A search was made for the master's word, the name of God, but all that was found was the letter G. It's a riddle. It's a riddle. All of these things are riddles. King, 1 Kings 7, that whole chapter is being like, hey, reader, why is Pi incorrect here? It's begging you to ask the questions. 
they only found the G. Finding the word lost, the lost Masonic word, finding it lost. They're like, oh my God, the master's word, he had the name of God. We'll find out who the name of God is. A lament went up. Oh Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son? So we're going to watch this is about a two-minute clip. And this is, this is the ritual. So in the third degree in masonry, you have the three degrees of masonry. It's the blue lodge. All the other, you're like, oh, there's 33 degrees. Those are appendant bodies in the Masonic order. There's really only three degrees in masonry. That's it. So uh, entered apprentice, fellowship craft, master mason. So this ritual, which is once again the foundation of masonry, is performed when you get to the third degree. And we're going to watch this right now. This is the ruffians roughing up Hiram and killing him. While the sun right now, in this portion of the ritual of the third degree of Freemasonry, the candidate has symbolically become Hiram Abiff. His walking around the altar symbolizes his journey through life, and he's hearing scripture from the book of Ecclesiastes. In a moment, the candidate will encounter ruffians on his journey who will threaten and eventually kill him. Grandmaster Hiram Abiff, I am glad to meet you thus alone. You have long promised us the secrets of a Master Mason. Behold, the temple is almost completed, and we have not yet received them. Give me the secrets of a Master Mason. This is an unusual way of manner of asking. Neither is it the time nor place. Wait until the temple is finished, and then, if worthy, you will receive the secrets. Give me the secrets of a Master Mason, or I will take your life. I cannot. Neither can they be given except in the presence of three. Solomon, king of Israel, Hiram, king of Tyre, and myself. Give me the secrets of a master mason or I'll take your life upon this spot. My life, but not the secrets. Then die. Grandmaster Hiram Abif, give me the secrets of a master mason. I cannot. This neither is satisfactory. Give me the secrets of a master mason, or I'll take your life. I will not. Give me the secrets of a master mason, or I'll take your life on this spot. My life, but not the secrets. Then die! Grandmaster Hiramovic, give me the secrets of a master mason. I cannot. Give me the secrets of a master mason, or I'll take your life. I will not. Give me the secrets of the Master Mason, or I'll take your life on this spot. My life, but not the secrets. Then die! Companions, what horrid crime we had committed. We have murdered our Grand Master Hiram Abif. What shall we do with the body? Let us take it a westerly course. And bury it at the brow of a hill, some six feet due east and west, and six feet perpendicularly at the head of which we will plant a sprig of acacia, that the place may be here unknown. Let us make our escape. Okay, so that's the theatrics that happened uh, in, in a lodge. And I've spoken to other Masons and basically said, yeah, that's what, that's what goes on. And what is, the, what is the theatrics there for? Well, basically what this guy is honorable. Hiram Abiff was honorable. And uh, one of the things I think that was mentioned here is Hiram Abiff, you as a candidate, as the initiate in a, in a Masonic order, you represent Hiram Abiff. You play the role of a guy that's going to eventually die and be reborn. Now he held on to the word now, was this out of greed? No. 
Why was he holding on to the word? He held on to the truth to death against people that were what? Didn't earn it. They were thieves. They wanted to come in and basically just kill him for th this knowledge. They were not deserving of it whatsoever. So the whole drama here is Hiram did the most honorable thing in the world and didn't let the evil contingent in the world get the secrets of the divine. That's what it, that's really what it's all about. And this legend is all over. Um, once again, when you read masonry, this is, you, you'll come across this just again and again and again. So there's, you know, there's the, they're striking him in the breast there with the 24 inch gauge, or is that the throat? I think it's the breast. Anyway, um, you know, here's the, here's, you know, once again, the ruffians, why is he blindfolded? What is the symbolism of being blind? Ignorance, darkness. Then what happens? He's reborn and the blindfolds come off. Now, most people, they see this and they're like, oh, they blindfold people and they make them roll up their leg and all this other stuff. And they lose their minds. Same people that go to a church and they eat the body and blood of their Savior and don't think two shakes about it. It's childish. I get intense. I get a little passionate about this because this is an unbelievably beautiful thing that's going on right here. Probably losing some subs here, aren't I? <laughs> Who cares? All right, so there, boom. So this is all the ruffians here. This is, you know, once again, this is, it's an illustration and artwork and it's in, you know, all this sort of stuff. So who were the ruffians? Now, this is important because this is actually, the, the ruffians were the same people. You know, when we keep reading in Mark, we just constantly, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter, we hear about these scribes and these Pharisees and these people that were scribbling out the Torah that did everything in their power to, you know, manipulate Jesus, twist his words, kill, then obviously then got the Romans through lies to kill him. You know, all of this sort of stuff. Every time Jesus showed up, the scribes and Pharisees were like, oh, we gotta do something about this, right? Then you see the central myth of masonry. You have this death and resurrection of a hero figure. And who's it at the hands of? The Jews. Why isn't it, wait, wait, why, why isn't anybody talking about this? You'll, you'll certainly see, much love to Red Ice, you'll certainly see Red Ice go out and be like, yeah, Freemasonry is just Judaism for Gentiles. Really? Interesting. Did you know this? No. Nor are you, also, you'll refuse to look at it. And this is why I get heated. Here's truth, here's truth. Just let me, just plop, plop it in your lap there. I'm a pro-psycher. What about all this? Hiram, the high ram, was killed by three Jews. Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum. They didn't deserve the word. They weren't divine. They had no heart. They were immoral. They stopped someone. The, the temple had not been built yet, remember? So they stopped this guy from building his temple. There's a long history of, this is this is where I just get, at, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like call anybody out here. This is where I get 1,000% heated at the Adam Greens, the no more newses of the world that constantly peddle this stuff, the RB truths. All the people that get on and they're just like, oh, the, oh, the earth's flat because of the Masons. And they just let it flow without knowing anything about this. Nothing. Well, shame on you. Sorry. You know, they're not stopping by this channel anyway, so I'm just going to speak my piece. Um, long, long history of, of these ruffians not being accepted into the order. Why? Because masonry, 
the thing about masonry is that in order to get into masonry, you have to have you have to accept God. You can't be an atheist at all. So they accept all manner of faith, but they would disqualify the ruffians. Do you know why? Because the ruffians disregarded the New Testament. So there is a long hit, and this comes from the Encyclopedia of Freemasonry. It's called, it's a chat, it's a little blurb called the Disqualification of Jews. <clears throat> Long history of it. Why? Once again, because they rejected Christ specifically. And we'll see why that's a problem in masonry. It should be recognized that because of the history of attempts to force Jews to convert, ruffians to convert, they can be uncomfortable about being asked to say Christian prayers. You know, when we talk about like, I learned um, faith, hope, and charity from masonry, that's a New Testament thing. Try to get the ruffians to say that. Did masonry always welcome Jews? No. A bunch of lodges debate whether you should even permit them at all. Another thing that you'll find in masonry is a, a, a mason that's considered a, 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 what do I say? He's a fraud, right? Um, somebody that like a false mason, pretends to be a mason. They're called a Cowan. Some fanciful derivations have suggested from Cohen, the Jewish priest. Now, this person, this is J.S. Ward. He disagrees entirely from this view. I totally disagree with J.S. Ward. This is a book called The Lost Masonic Word. Searching for the Lost Masonic Word. We're going to find it today. So, a Cowan. Literally a false mason. A mason that's trying to go, come in and uproot the order. Was named after, allegedly, could be anyway, a Jewish priest. Not once have I heard anything like this from any mouth of any truth seeker ever, nor are any of those people willing to talk about this. I think it's important. You're going around being like, they're a secret society, and then you drive into a town and it'll be like, free and accepted masons, a big sign. Wow, very secret are you. There's damn signs right there to point to where to go. This is going to see why I get passionate about this. I think the masons might have been onto something. If you're listening at home, you should definitely check out. I think the Masons might have been onto something. I think there's an overrepresentation of ruffians in our world. I think when you go into the financial sector and you go into like the you know political sector and you go to Hollywood and media, there's a lot of jubellos. So what is this word, the lost Masonic word? The word represents the, the design, the natural order, the purpose, the consciousness, the reason, the wisdom, the incorruptible truth, the search for divine truth. That's what, the, that's what you'll find when you read masonry. They say, hey, this whole thing, when you join a masonry, you're going to be an upstanding human being. You're going to be moral. You're going to be a good man, and we're going to make you better. And you have a task, and that is to seek out, the whole canon of masonry is to seek out this lost Masonic word, the divine truth. Well, what do we know the word as? Everything that you can say, the definitions and how you describe the word design, natural order, purpose, consciousness, reason, wisdom, incorruptible truth, all of those definitions are found in this guy. Who's this? That's Mr. Lord Jesus Christ. Every definition of logos is, can you, of course, it's the word. It's, there's no different. It's synonymous. They're the exact same thing. They're not even synonymous. They're literally talking about the exact same thing. When you say logos, you're talking about the word. It's transcendent, eternal, everlasting, never-ending, endless, perpetual, undying, immortal, deathless, indestructible, imperishable, immutable, abiding, permanent, enduring, infinite, superior, supreme, consummate, predominant, preeminent, ascendant, paramount, superlative. You get the, you know, you get the picture. So when the Masons were seeking out this lost Masonic word, they were seeking out logos, as we're going to find. Now, 
What is this word? Where do we find this word? Well, we find it all over the world, as we're going to see. As it proclaims in the story of Hiram Abiff that we just read there, the only letter left from this holy word was the letter G. And as we know, this letter, this, this G is central to the main insignia of the brotherhood. Something we'll return to in just a second. Um, as we know, the G encodes pi. Directly. Common abbreviation and widely used approximation of pi. Unquestionable. The death of Hiram is performed theatrically to every candidate of the third degree to remind him to seek out in his life this divine truth. This legendary word has ever, uh, ever since been sought by the Masonic initiates, and seeking this word is considered one of the greatest mysteries of Freemasonry. The notion of a sacred word, as we just, as we saw Frank Higgins say, the notion of a sacred word being at the helm of creation is a ubiquitous one, found celebrated across the world. As, uh, re, as recorded in the cosmologies of various high civilizations, God is said to have begun the construction of the universe with a voice, a sound, or a vibratory emanative essence. That's really what the word is. You know, if you know, um, what is that Tesla quote? If you want to, if you want to understand the world, think about frequency and something like that. That's essentially what he's saying. A word is a sound. The concept of the word is. Um, we can get into somatics too here. How somatics, you know, a sound basically creates, you know, complex geometrical structures, right? So uh, the concept of the word is in the tales of the ancient Mayan uh, people of the Mesoamerica. As recorded in the Mayan book of the Chalam Balam, you actually hear that uh, the where when there was neither heaven nor earth sounded the first word of the one. It unloosed God's self from stone-like silence and it declared its divinity and the vastness of eternity shuddered. A word. Those crazy Mayans had a word. The Nordic myths include the search for a holy word as well. This is, this is great because this is Odin becoming enlightened and you'll see what happens. According to the Poetic Edda, you guys know the Poetic Edda? Good stuff here. Good stuff here. Um, I like this version too. Um, very cool. Very cool. Anyway, um, 13th century collection of prime sources for Norse mythology. Odin sought after a sacred word after un undergoing intense pain and suffering hanging on the Yggdrasil tree. It's the world tree at the center of the earthly creation. What, As we know, what is that tree? The tree within here, the tree of life, is analogous. It's they're, they're the same. The world tree, your tree, the axis moon, one and the same. No different. No different. Odin received a magical alphabet, wisdom from the gods, and the ability to produce miracles or perform uh, magical acts. Are you getting bored with me? My wife over here is yawning. She's like, oh, God. Here he goes again. <laughs> this is Kabbalah. Okay? Just so you guys know. Odin hung upside down in the Yagasril tree, which is actually talking about the process of rebirth, hence the hangman and the tarot deck. What happens right before you're born? The baby turns upside down in the womb. That's a symbol of rebirth. Odin was hanging upside down on the Yagrasil tree, upside down, and then he became enlightened and he received a magical alphabet. You mean like Kabatria, like Kabbalah, right? Uh, wisdom from the gods, you mean like a gift of Kabbalah? And the ability to produce miracles to perform magical acts. Wait, wait. So this is what it says. Having fixed this knowledge in his formidable memory, Odin ended his ordeal with a scream of exaltation. Having been initiated into the mystery of the runes, Odin recounted, 
Then I was fertilized and became wise. I truly grew and thrived from a word to a word. I was led to a word. From a work to a work, I was led to a work. What's the work? It's the great work of alchemy. It's the opus, it's the opus, uh, what is the, what is there? Opus, grand opus, but you know, you know what I'm saying. The great work. He truly grew and thrived. He became enlightened and he received a word. The famous hermetic figure of the thrice great Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus mentions this ever famous divine word in the Corpus Hermeticum. You guys got the Corpus Hermeticum? Sorry, pardon me. These are all uh, this uh, Corpus Medicum, the initiation into Hermetics. Great read. Um, the Hermetic and Alchemical uh, the Hermetic and Alchemical Writings of Paracelsus. This is really good too. Uh, a little bit obscure this one is, but then this one, um, the Divine Pymander of Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus. In uh, the Corpus Hermeticum, it mentions Therion, out of light, a holy word Logos descended on that nature. And upwards to its height, from the moist nature, leaped forth pure fire, light, um, etc. So basically, did man excel by reason of the logos of the word? So here you have Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus in the lore, you know, uh, giving you a word. The Egyptian Book of the Dead, or going forth by day, says this. Do you guys got the Egyptian Book of the Dead? <laughs> oh, where's my Egyptian Book? It's stuck under four books. The uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead are going forth by day says this about the sun god Ra. I am the eternal. I am Ra. I am that which created the word. I am the word. Before the invention of the printing press, many aboriginal cultures, stories, and myths were passed on orally. Or poetically speaking, we may say that many natives often passed on their legends and tales through the spoken word. The Encyclopedia of Religious, uh, Religions of Native Americans says this. The idea of speech as a creative force is commonly found in the stories of peoples native to North America. These people commonly held the view that the appropriate telling of stories are creative acts, that is, acts that perpetuate the creative ordering powers of which the stories tell. In some cases, the power of thought and speech is identified with the power of creation. In other cases, especially in this, this is later on in this book, it says, in other cases, especially in North Central California, world creators are likely to be true creator gods, thinking the world into existence or bringing it forth with a word. Did you guys know that the Indians, natives, pretty much had, as far as we can tell, some of these lodges were practicing Masonic traditions? There's a whole book called Indian Freemasonry. And it's a bunch of these trinkets and stuff like that that they had picked up that were in these lodges that once again were like secretive. There, there was the, just like in a native tribe, there was like the wisdom keepers, the shamans. They had the information. You didn't. You're supposed to work up to get into that lodge. They had compasses and squares. I did a whole video on this. The Indians in some instances drew moral lessons and analogies from the art of building their longhouses or other dwellings. It was an, it was an allegory towards building. <clears throat> but for the most part, their symbolism was drawn from the study of the temple of nature. Uh, so, natives, Hermes, Odin, 
you know, all of these, all the Mayans, a word. As um, the Hindus believe that the universe began with a sound or a word, symbolized in the all-encompassing vibratory essence of Aum. Let's go back here. What is the word? Look at this symbol here. That's the Aum symbol. I pointed this out many moons ago. Uh, that's the Aum symbol. We're going to relate all this to Pi, by the way, this word. We'll see in just a bit. What does that look like? Is that a three with this tail swirling off? As if like 3.14159? I don't know. Maybe it's just a coincidence, a little quinky dink there. I don't know. Um, but uh, there's that. So uh, where are we now? I'm lost. The Hindus believe that the universe began with a sound or word symbolized in the... They still worship this today. This is not like some lost... In, you know, this is front and center, their, their, their beliefs. Words symbolize the all-encompassing vibratory essence of Aum. The Aum is considered the first manifestation of the unrevealed Brahman, or the cosmic creator, and is considered the supreme god of the gods. Brahman's power was only made manifest after the enunciation of this great word. In one translation of the Rig Veda, which is the oldest collection of poems or hymns composed in an archaic Sanskrit, the following is revealed. Sounds a lot like John 1.1 in the Egyptian Book of the Dead and all this other stuff. It says this, In the beginning was Brahman, with whom was the Word. And the Word was truly the supreme Brahman. The Masons were trying to teach you about all this. I, I actually told Jennifer I refuse to go on a show anymore if their if their whole thing is well, the Masons. I'm just not I'm to do it anymore. I'm done. Just so you guys know. Finally, we get to uh, most will recognize this divine word within the doctrines of Christianity. Lord Jesus Christ is formally understood as the Word, the very essence of light that God spoke at the beginning of creation, and this is what we're talking about. God said, "Let there be light." What did he say? He spoke a word, a sound, vibratory, emanative essence, if you will. Light. He spoke light. That's Christ. What is that? It's order. It's purpose. It's design. Intention. In the first chapter of Genesis, we find God saying, let there be light. With this being another example and reference to all of creation manifesting from a word, utterance, or sound. In this case, God speaking light. This word was not only uh, brought forth now, this word not only brought forth a created world, everything that we see, everything, everything we see, everything we can't see, God brought it all forth by the word. This word not only brought forth a created world, but as well became flesh in the form of Lord Jesus Christ. John 1, 1 to 1, 5 declares, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was there not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. You have the word within you. Before we get onto that, I want to say this. When we... Um, we talk about the transcendentals. We talk about all the information that is completely ubiquitous. It's the same for every single human being. It's not going to change. It's incorruptible. It's infallible. That sort of thing. A square is a square, right? There's not like a Christian square. Like, I really enjoy the Christian square that has the four 90-degree corners. I prefer that one over the Hindu square, which has four 90-degree corners. Oh, shit. Oh, damn. 
you know what? I like the circle that has 360. I like my Christian circle that has 360 degrees as opposed to my Mayan circle that has <clears throat> 360 degrees. What's what, what am I saying here? Is there is the word just locked in the canon of Christianity? No. The word is the word. Love is love. A circle is a circle. A square is a square. A seven is the number seven. When all of these cultures, from native to Egyptian to the Hindu to the, to the you know, et cetera, et cetera, go all around the world, Odin hanging on the tree, when they were talking about the word, they're talking about the exact same thing. The entire corpus of masonry is, is an allegory towards building, with that allegory related to the building of one's own spiritual temple. At the root of masonry, carpentry, building, and architecture is the universal system of maths and geometry. I don't know how many times... Anyway. Behind every great cathedral, temple, church, still standing churches, temples, pyramids, cathedrals that are today, of people we had no idea who built them. Do you know what we do know about those people, though? Do you know what they were? Master masons. Period. I don't know if they were involved in masonry, but they were absolutely master masons and they absolutely knew what they were doing. Behind every great cathedral, temple, church, and pyramid ever built exists still today the template and blueprints upon which it was constructed. And how do you understand those templates and blueprints? With math. Every single masterwork of architecture has ever been created, drafted, has been, has been created and drafted using the universal system of numbers. Knowing this, knowing this, we can arrive at the understanding that the recovery of the lost Masonic word, if we really wish to recover the lost Masonic word, well, we need to understand what language that word was written in. And that lost Masonic word may only be found when we understand this language of the divine word. The divine, the divine word has been spoken and written in the language of math. It's the language that's universal to all people. Albert Mackey said this. 32nd, 33rd degree Mason, I believe. Um, he said, The prominent points in the legend of Masonry being, of course, those on which the old believers of it most strenuously dwelt are, number one, when we go and once again take Masonry seriously, what is the core of it? That's the science of morality. There's a legend about a lost Masonic word. And what's the other thing? Well, geometry. It's the groundwork of Masonry. That Euclid was the, one of the most distinguished of all geometricians. Uh, that's a reference to the 47th proposition being Pythagorean's theorem. Not going to get into that. That the esoteric method of teaching this, as well as all the other sciences, was pursued uh, by the priests of Egypt. Um, that was very analogous to that which was adopted by the operative masons of the Middle Ages. Um, simply put this, I'll say this, simply put, an esoteric understanding of geometry is at the foundation of the craft of Freemasonry. And, it's at the, and the reason it is, is because it's at the foundation of the Bible. Jesus was a carpenter. His father was a carpenter and his grandfather, as far as we know, or whatever, was a carpenter, right? Why? Because carpenters, what do they do with, what do they deal with all day? Math. If we thus seek, we see this Freemasonic G, Let's go back here. We see this Freemasonic G. And we're like, what? What? What is? This, what does it mean? What is this lost Masonic word? What's going on here? We see that. 
sure you get back here. Oh, I'm lost now. <clears throat> um, we see that and we say, okay, what does this mean? If we thus seek to find a mathematical corollary to this ancient and ubiquitous theological concept of the word, the lost Masonic word, then there can be no better candidate than that of the transcendental and infinite constant of pi. As we have seen in numerous phenomena throughout the world, we find pi showing its face time and time again, giving credibility to such a correlation. That's what all of this is about, showing how pi is found all over the world. There's a chapter here with English, French, uh, and German. English, French, German, and Spanish. It's in, the, it's in um, Lord Jesus Christ, too. Showing how that shows 180, which is half a pi. So all over the world, we find pi encoded in all this stuff. <clears throat> As the story goes, after the Jews murdered the high ram and his blood was shed in the temple, a search was made for the master's word, the name of God. But all that was found was the letter G. The letter G in the Freemasonic compasses and squares, the number seven. And from this, we established the septenary cryptogram at the foundation of the English alphabet. Not just English, though. What I'm showing in those books is French, Spanish, German as well. This seven encodes a widely used approximation of the number pi. And thus it may be declared triumphantly that the Masonic brothers may rejoice once again. For the mystery has been solved and the lost, the lost Masonic word, just as promised, has been recovered. What's the lost Masonic word? Well, it's in the language that God speaks, and it's pi. And what does pi point to? Lord, Jesus, Christ, the Word. Higgins goes on to say this, It is completely in accord with the ancient philosophy, which in apostrophizing the deity, apostrophizing, we're not saying pi, we're going to worship pi. It's not what we're doing. It's symbol. In the language, just like when I say the word tree, it's not the tree in and of itself. That is the tree right there. That's just a symbol. So when we say pie, we're not saying, oh, I'm going to worship a circle and a line. No, what does that mean? What does it represent? This guy. But not only that, it's saying, guys, guys, pay attention. There's a science behind salvation. And the Masons were trying to teach it to you. And hence why the folks like the RV truths of the world ain't never going to get it, at least, at least in this lifetime. Ain't never going to get it. God bless you on your journey. It is completely in accord with the ancient philosophy which in apostrophizing the deity as the pie proportion meant what later in Isaiah is called the living Elohim, the living God. The living word. This is exactly what us Gnostics talk about. Word ain't dead. It's not, it's not lost in history somewhere. It's alive and well and flowing through all things. The pi proportion endowed with omnipotent self-exertion in the ordering of inchoate matter. In other words, a logos active in cosmos. It's active in our world. Always will be. The pi proportion is something that is never absent in one form or another from every one of the world's primitive religions and certainly enters deeply and radically into the philosophies that have given rise to what we in these days call masonry. 
masonry was trying and is trying to get you and unfortunately it's a lot of i will say this that a lot of modern masons have lost their way in, in understanding this masonry the, there's three great lights in masonry it's the it's the compasses the square and the holy bible and not not the torah the holy bible which includes the new testament so the Masons were trying to get you to understand what all of this stuff actually means and how it actually relates to your life and how that Logos is active right now. That these stories are not stuck in 2,000 years ago, that they're, that they're working right now in the world. And that's what true Masonry is trying to teach you about. Uh, that's, a, that's from a chapter called uh, The Pie Proportion in Genesis. So... Okay, now, after Hiram Abiff died, he was resurrected. And so we're going to watch this is just another minute clip, and then we'll talk about it. O oh Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son? Brother Senior Grand Warden, take the body by the entered apprentice's grip and see if it can be raised. <laughs> Most worshipful King Solomon, the body cannot be raised by the entered apprentice grip. The skin slips from the flesh. Take it by the Fulacrass grip and see if it can be raised. For reasons already assigned, it cannot be raised by the Fulacrass grip. The flesh cleaves from the bone. In this our extremity, what should we do? Let's pray. Okay, at this point, we will eliminate the prayer. At the end of the prayer, we will take the body by the strong grip of a master mason or the lion's paw and raise it upon the five points of fellowship. <clears throat> Brother Smith, you have now been raised to the sublime degree of Master Mason, and the word which I have just communicated is the grand Masonic word, which you promised in your obligation never to communicate except in the way and manner in which you have received it. You have been raised by the strong grip of a master mason or the lion's paw. And upon the five points of fellowship, which are, follow me, foot to foot, knee to knee, breast to breast, hand to back and cheek to cheek or mouth to ear. Give me the word. Okay, so that's at the end. So once, so now as you can see, he was dead. He's playing the role of Hiram. Blindfolds come off the whole like the whole bit. He's he goes and he gives them the strong grip of a lion's paw. Okay, so basically what you're looking at there is, um, you know, he didn't give up the word to people that didn't deserve it. He kept secrets just like Jesus did, <laughs> all right. But not because he was trying to keep secrets and keep it out of the hand. You know, uh, he was basically keeping it out of the hands of undeserving people. Okay. Now we just talked about the fact we pie, right? Pie, 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 pie. Pie's in the cipher. Pie's here. Pie's there. That sort of thing. This is he's raised by. Finally, the master mason is raised by the strong grip. It's called the strong grip of a lion's paw. Okay. Now it's an important form uh, found in uh, Freemasonry. It's the lion's paw. It's a grip formed by placing the fingers like this in the form of a cat's paw. Now. The point is like five points, right? As you do this, you're also doing the five points of like put the knee together and chest to chest. Is five important? I'm sure, you know, we've talked about that enough. But, you know, phi is encoded in, you know, the number five and stuff like that. Um, 
But so here, what is the reference to the lion? Well, the lion is of the heart, lion-hearted, number one. It's all about the sacred heart of Jesus. All of us is, right? You can't even get into the halls. God is, if you don't have a pure heart, God's just going to be like, get out. Get, get. You can knock all day long. And if you don't actually have the pure heart that loves God, loves humanity, works for better things in the world, God doesn't give a shit. Doesn't care. He's never going to open that door for you. If you think that if you come in with this idea of um, narcissism, like I'm going to get this information and then I'm going to be something special, God's not going to open that door for you because it's not about you. The lion's grip finally raises him, comes from um, Genesis 4, 49, 9. It's Judah is the lion's whelp from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, as an old lion who shall rouse him up. It's basically this, by the way, Leo is the heart. It's the heart. That's where it, it's the heart chakra. It's the heart. So he grabs him and he lifts him up, right? And the, to the Christian brethren, this phrase, the lion of the tribe of Judah, refers to Christ, the Messiah, who is said to have brought light and immortality into the world. He did. So this is the mat. And so now then we say, well, what's the lion's, the lion's paw? What's the, what's the, what's the P-A-W? This is the grip in which raised him and his Leo oil, we talked about that, his Leo is heart, up. And he raised it with the paw, the P-A-W or the three, one, four. The G in masonry leads to Christianity, leads to Christ. It's supposed to. Um, this is one of the things that I had read and actually got me into studying the Bible again. And I said this for years, Freemasonry. So if you actually read a lot of, so we know, as we discussed, the legend of the craft is a mystery. No one has any idea. Like, what is it? Where did it come from? What's the origins? What does all of this stuff mean? It's a riddle. It's there to entice your, to entice your, you know, creative and intellectual faculties and get them freaking, you know, get the freaking gas in the machine there, right? When you read masonry, a lot of the greatest masons that were, you know, wrote literature about masonry and stuff like that, a good portion of them are like, well, this is all Christian. It's all based on, it's an institution that ultimately is leading you to Christ. Um, Freemasonry, Dr. Oliver agrees with Hutchinson, the Hutchinsonian view, the, the Oliver view, that uh, Freemasonry is a Christian institution. That all of its myths and symbols, just as we just covered, have a Christian interpretation. They absolutely, provably do. Order was originally instituted in accordance with the true principles of the Christian religion. Freemasonry contains scarcely a single ceremony, symbol, or historical narration which does not apply to this glory, glorious consummation of the divine economy of the Creator towards its erring creatures. By which economy, he of course means the Christian dispensation and the Christian scheme of redemption. Why is there a story of death and rebirth? Because it's trying to get you to the universal story of death and rebirth. Thus the Master Mason represents a man under the Christian doctrine, saved from the grave of iniquity and raised to the faith of salvation as the great testimonial that we are risen from the state of corruption. We bear the emblem of the Holy Trinity, as the insignia of our vows and the origin of the master's order. This is beautiful. Uh, the next or third stage of the progress of masonry represented by the master's degree commenced at the advent of Christianity. 
So, so all of this is there. The, the holy word of God is Christ Almighty. That's what Solomon had. He was rebuilding his temple. And the ruffians came along and they killed him. And guess what happened anyway? He rose again. Wait a second. I know that story. I know that story. It's sounding a little bit familiar. It's, it's sounding a bit familiar. Why, they, why didn't they just wrap it up in Christ? Why didn't the Masons just be like Christ? Because they were trying to teach you about the universality of all this stuff. The word, if there's not a different word in Hinduism and then the Norse guys over there and then the Egyptians over there and then the natives over there and Christians over there, there's not a different word. There was only one word. There was only one creation story. There's only, there's only love. There's only the circle. There's only the square. There's only the number, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The Masons wrapped up this whole thing in a different parable so that you would understand the universality of these things. So that you could actually go to the other religions and not be like, you're the bad guys. No, those are your brothers, which is exactly what Christianity is trying to teach you. It's commanded of you. Hence why I, after decades of doing, a decade and whatever of doing this, am no longer interested in speaking to anybody, literally anybody, I will say no if you invite me on your show, if you're going to continue to rip on this stuff. Because I got nothing to say to you. Nothing. Anymore. Nothing. I don't care who it is. The word. Marty, why do you have 33 by your name? Marty, are you Illuminati? Marty, are you a Mason? Marty, what is the 33? Obviously, you're a shill. If you're listening at home, we just put up the word, which is seven letters, and in English gematria, which is what the Masons were trying to tell you about, the word is 33. Well, who does that lead to? Luke uh, 3.23, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli. Heli is a reference to the son. Helio means son. He was the son of a son of the son. Whoa, wait, what? Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, and his ministry lasted three years. That means he was how old? We can do the math, right? Okay. Being made a mason, this comes from J.S. Ward. Being made a mason symbolizes the birth of the Christ within. This is all what we're talking about. The high ram. And before anyone can attain to the mystical rebirth, he must have progressed some way along the road of evolution, have gained certain experiences, and learned certain lessons. That's what life is all about. You're not going to write a good song unless you've had life experiences. You're not going to see the light unless you've seen some darkness. It's a necessity. In the earlier stages, man is bound in materialism. Earthly things satisfy him, and he is ruled by his physical passions. But we want to rise above all of that. We want to lift everything up from the heart, up from that Leo, from the strong grip of the lion's paw. And when those ruffians came, they hit him here, and they hit him here, and they hit him here. He's like, oh, then he died, and guess what happened to him? He rose again. The candidate for masonry has begun to desire more than the material. He has felt the desire for spiritual growth and knowledge, and so he has become free to build his temple. And where is he building that temple? What's he doing? 
the true masonry, the true mason, he's building that temple up to the All-Father, God Almighty, the Hiram. And that's why he is the candidate. That's why he becomes Hiram. What do you think? Deborah Stilley just bought the Freemasons' Morals and Dogma. Excellent book 19, uh, from 1927. Nice. Just started it, but they talk about the corruption in government, tyranny, oppression, etc. It sounds like exactly what's happening today. Yes. It's a fantastic book. That book changed my life. Thank you, Deborah Stilley. What else do we have anymore here? I'm sorry. I wasn't in the chat at all. Many blessings to all. Great stuff today, Marty. Thank you so much. Off to the wilderness for a few days. That sounds awesome. Small axe. I appreciate that. I just want to make sure I didn't miss any. There's a bunch. Eric C, 3142. What does that mean, Eric C? Are you trying to, what is the numbers mean? One good pie deserves another. Thank you so much, Eric C. My Lord, Javier, 3142. You're doubling that stuff. Word, word. Thank you so much, Javier. I appreciate that. The Patriot Astrologer always coming in with a hot 1999. I appreciate it. They stopped him from building his temple. Great insight. It, it's, and that's exactly what you hear about in the Bible too. That they, they, um, Jesus admonishes the, the, the scribes and the, fair, the ruffians, we'll call them. We'll call them the ruffians from now on. He admonishes them because they prevented them from going within. Do you guys remember that? It's in Matthew chapter something, 20 maybe? No, it's before that. Anyway, that's what it's all about. It's like you prevented them from going within. It's all about going within. So, Okay. Thank you all for joining me today. I appreciate all the, the love and the support. Um, yeah, this is great dissolution of the boogeyman jive. Yes, thank you, Chance. And I am so, I'm sorry, this is where I get heated, whatever. I am so utterly sick of it. I, I can't even listen, I barely can even listen to anybody anymore because they're like, oh, the Mathans. Like, my Lord, pick up a book. You know, like, do a little, stay, challenge yourself at all. You know, and then there's a guy like me that comes along and's like practically begging people. Like basically on my knees being like, can we please talk about this? Nobody. I'm done with it. Fine. Don't talk about it. You know, you're the one that's going to miss out. Not you, Chance. You know, you're good. you know what I'm saying. Here I am just getting all hot and heated and it's, it's not helping anything. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. That's going to do it for me, guys. Thank you so much. Um, we did change... Um, what did I say? Uh, well, before we do that, we did change the um, the tithing on the site. We no longer do the monthly tithing just because it was becoming a problem with people like they sign up and it's a it's a you know um, it's a subscription based and then they don't think it's a subscription based and then it's charged again and then they you know and then so anyway we just did rid of it we just got rid of it totally. There's a one time charge or there's a subscription. I'd highly recommend doing the subscription. Help me out. But so that way and um, you can sign up for three months or the year. And that's all we're doing because it's 14 bucks. It's like, you know, it's super cheap. Most most sites are like 10, 15 right now for a month. So I'm doing three months for 14 bucks. And that's that's all we're doing. So and it's absolutely worth it. Gives you plenty of time to peruse the site. And if you don't want to see it anymore, I'm like, ah, I'm out of here, Marty. I want to support your stuff. Uh, let me say this. If you have any issues whatsoever on the site, any problems logging in, any issues with the site, you're charged. You know, we had some people that we um, we canceled the account and they were still charged because there was some stupid hiccup with PayPal and we didn't know about it. And so there's not intentional whatsoever. Any issues whatsoever, you get to us. We will take care of you. Even if you cancel your account and something happens, get back to us. We will take care of you 1000%. Okay. Info at Gnostic Academy dot org or webmaster at gnosticacademy.org will take care of you okay um i had 
Amor's thing here. Did you post it? I had a graphic and I don't have it. Amor does have an, it's a newer one. I don't know if it was posted today, but um, one there for you. So Gnostic, Revelation Mysteries. Jennifer has the little link in there. Um, a lot of people have been uh, getting hip to uh, some of the stuff he's been presenting over there because they've been over here. And so I really appreciate you doing that. Uh, it's really cool. Going to learn some stuff over there for sure. Um, do we need to change anything of subscriptions? No. If you've signed up for five bucks a month thus far, we keep you on there. Um, if you want, you can you save a buck. You can cancel it and, you know, whatever. Uh, but no. And once again, if you have any issues whatsoever, I'm not some ripoff artist or anything like that. I can't stand that stuff. Any issues, get back to us. We will take care of you. Okay? Promise. It's my promise. Okay. That's going to do it for me. Guys, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. That's going to do it for me. Um, we are going to listen to a Ryan Adams tune. I've been playing Ryan Adams lately. Ryan Adams has released um, like five records since essentially the beginning of 2021. The, this um, I'm going to play a song called Run off this record, Romeo and Juliet, and I'll probably get copyrighted, whatever. I don't care because it's such a great song. Anyway, since this song, singer-songwriter, I've been fan of for years and years and years the guy's just an absolute prolific freaking genius the, the, he, he released a record uh ryan adams wednesdays i think at the end of 2020 so like basically the beginning of 2021 and since then he's released four other records he just released one july 22nd and two of these records are essentially double records and they are freaking awesome they're they're so good. Every single one of these is just fantastic. And he got me tooed, by the way. It was a bunch of BS. He got totally me tooed. Um, claimed he was like into like pedophilia and stuff like that. It all turned out to be nonsense. He should you know be suing for defamation because basically ruined his career. But um, absolutely, I would highly recommend these records. I don't get paid. This isn't like some you know like I get ten percent or anything like that. Ryan, Adams, I don't know Ryan Adams. He doesn't know me. He's never gonna know me. It would be really cool if Ryan Adams was... Ryan Adams, if you are... Here's my bucket list. My bucket list... There's two things on my bucket list. For Ryan Adams to sponsor this show... No, I'm just kidding. Um, and, but if Ryan Adams ever actually covered one of my records, that would be the most amazing thing ever. So, not going to happen. Maybe in heaven I'll get to see that. But anyway, he just released this record, FM, and I haven't listened to it yet because it's just fresh but but we're gonna play a song off this record called romeo and juliet and it's called run and my lord this song is just rocking and yet makes me cry so okay that's gonna do it for me thank you all for joining today so good today thank you sarah luchter you're a moderator boom look at the power that i have not much power it's because of the word anyway okay guys i'll see you next sunday um i think we're gonna continue on with mark i believe i believe don't ever quote me because I always do something else. But I think we're going to continue on with Mark, finish that chapter off, and then we'll go from there, okay? Guys, have yourself a wonderful day. Go on over, check Amor out, and I really appreciate every single one of you. Get a, Every single one of you. If you get a chance, stop on over to Gnostic Academy, okay? All right, love you guys. Let's rock out. As always, many blessings and much love to all.
should have shook my head I should have said 